You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falado on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Falado, and my, oh my, can things not get any worse for the New York Giants. A 38-11 thrashing at the hand of Sean McVay and the Rams, a team traveling from the west to east for a 1 o'clock start. But who am I kidding? The Rams could have traveled from Mars, and they still would have beat the brakes off the Giants. Let's get this out of the way, though. For starters, yes, the Giants are insanely cursed right now in terms of injuries. There's no denying that, and it is a legitimate excuse. They were without Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, Blake Martinez, who was done for the season, Darius Williams, although Darnay Holmes looked pretty solid out there, and anyone and everyone who ever claimed to be a left guard for this team. They're hurt. We get it. However, there's more to this dysfunction than just injuries. Every team deals with injuries, some worse than others. Not every team gets embarrassed in front of their home stadium. Not every team has a point differential of 82-31 to 31 in the last two games. Not every team continues to surrender late touchdowns to conclude the first half, further derailing the overall chances of the said team to win the football game. You know who does that? Bad football teams. Bad football teams jump off sides to negate a missed field goal. Bad football teams can't compete against good football teams, and that's the Giants over the last two weeks. The New Orleans upset seems like an eternity ago, and it might as well be at this point. Things just didn't seem like they could get any worse, but the spiral beyond mediocrity continues swirling down the proverbial drain right now, and it's absolutely insane. Who else, who else saw the first offensive play of this game and said, While looking around the room with neck pulled back in worry, doing that whole kind of face, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. I did. Billy Price, Nate Solder, and the left side of the line all having some form of a protection breakdown leading to Jones getting annihilated. A terrible way to start the game at home, but somehow on that drive, the Giants scored. They kicked a field goal. However, on that same drive, It was filled with a fair share of bad mistakes. Sterling Shepard dropping the screen pass, Dante Pettis dropping the out route. Just can't have those kind of mistakes. And then, of course, Kadarius Toney has three catches for 36 yards on that opening drive, and he ends up leaving with that ankle injury. Hopefully, Toney is okay. It stinks. You know he was going to be so heavily involved in this game plan, and then he ends up getting injured. That's a huge part of what's going on right now, but it's not everything, as I said a little bit earlier. But that second quarter, man, an absolute albatross, a 28-point offensive onslaught that was paired with three Daniel Jones turnovers, three of his four. Giants defense actually, in the beginning of this game, kind of played pretty well. The first two Rams drives resulted in two third-down sacks that forced punts, something we've been clamoring for, something we wanted Leonard Williams to display. And he had a sack and a half there, along with a half a sack from Dexter Lawrence on those two drives. 
But that first touchdown drive by the Rams, the touchdown to Bobby Trees himself, where Cooper Cup cleared out the drag and the defense had a miscommunication. Julia Love failed to get over the top of Cup, resulting in an easy touchdown for Mr. Woods. There was a big 28-yard gain on that drive by Cup that seems to be a microcosm of this giant season. The Rams took back-to-back penalties on that drive, an illegal block from Van Jefferson, and then a false start, which resulted in a first and 20. Henderson, on that first and 20, ripped off a 9-yard run to set up a second and 12. Still not a great situation from the offense. But Matt Stafford hit Cup on a deep corner route with three freaking Giants defenders around him. This Giants defense, who was playing well up till this point, was gifted two penalties from the Rams, and they allowed a 28-yard catch on a second and long. And then just a few plays later, Woods finds the end zone. And the Rams are just pulling everything out. They're doing play-action boots. They're finding their tight end in the flats easily. They're running the football. I mean, it's just entirely too frustrating to see this team, the Giants, play this poorly through six games. Giants went all in for this push with Daniel Jones. And their key pieces are either injured or they're just not living up to expectations right now. It's incredibly unfortunate. But those expectations, they weren't all that lofty to begin with. If we're going to be honest, I mean, what were our expectations? Be competitive? Don't be done by October? Maybe push for the divisional crown in a division that was historically bad last season. But no, it's mid-October and the Giants have one freaking win at the moment. One. That's it. No plurality. Just a singular win. The strength and character of this locker room will really be put to the test over the next coming weeks. Leonard Williams, he had one of his best games of the season, and after the game, he commented saying that he hated hearing the boos from the home fans and that it gets to him. And you know what? I agree with him. That sucks. But those boos turn into cheers when acceptable product is presented on the football field, and the Giants are far from an acceptable product at the moment. The future of Dave Gettleman, possibly Daniel Jones, and this coaching staff aren't certain beyond this season, other than the fact that Daniel Jones is going to be on the roster next year, but his long-term security is what I'm more so referring to. I would imagine Judge is brought back next year, but this is an embarrassing start to the season for John Mara, Steve Tisch, and everyone who follows this franchise. They were outgained 365 to 261. They lost time of possession. They turned the football over four times, and most of their yardage was all in garbage time. They couldn't do anything against the Rams. And this isn't the Rams defense under Brandon Staley from last year. This Rams defense has some holes in the back end. They lost Troy Hill. They don't have John Johnson anymore. They both left. And now this team is players like Robert Rochelle who had an interception in this game because Sterling Shepard fell down on a deep dig route. Taylor Rapp played one of the best games of his career. Could have had three or four interceptions, came away with two. Daniel Jones was making mistakes that reminded me of the 2019 Daniel Jones in terms of his carelessness with the football, specifically on the third interception where he just locked on to the deep curl route to the boundary with a curl flat defender right there. Curl flat defender to the boundary can easily undercut a curl. And that's exactly what he did from that boundary receiver, resulting in an interception. And I realized that the game was about out of the Giants' hands at that moment. But that's still a terrible mistake from a quarterback in his third season, a quarterback that we're hoping as Giants fans can actually be the franchise guy. And I think he has shown glimmers of greatness this year, but there's still a lot of mistakes and there's still a lot of excuses when it comes to Daniel Jones. Some warranted. Yes, his offensive line is not great. 
Having Matt Parrott left tackle after Andrew Thomas went down, that is not a great recipe for success. Matt Parrott does not have a great handle on how and where to set and how to mirror pass rushers up the arc. He commits his hips way too early and gets his hips and shoulders turned, allowing a softer edge for these pass rushers to just flatten and corner to the quarterback. And we've seen this last year from Matt Parrott. We saw in this game a lot of Giants fans, including myself, were saying, hey, look, we got to see what Matt Parrott can do out there because Nate Solder has been terrible. And you know what? Nate Solder wasn't great in this game. But Matt Parrott is not ready to start, and this guy was a top 100 pick, third round selection by Dave Gettleman and this staff. I didn't hate the pick whatsoever, but he doesn't look ready to play football right now in terms of being a consistent starter, and it's just been a nightmare. And Andrew Thomas, somebody who a lot of Giants fans and just people who cover the NFL were all over after last season, it was a really rough rookie season despite his late season, I guess you could say, progression. He is by far and away the best offensive lineman on this team, and he's dinged up right now. I don't know the extent of the injury as of yet, but hopefully we'll get an answer with that. Sterling Shepard had 10 catches in this game for 76 yards, a lot of them in garbage time. And Kadarius Toney, we don't know how long that injury is going to be. Daniel Jones finished 242 yards, 29 of 51, three interceptions. What is the decision going to be at the end of the season on this guy's fifth-year option? We don't know that through six games right now. But you know what we do know? The Giants are 1-5. and five. Giants are 1-5, and five, and they still have to play both the teams that represented their respective conferences in the Super Bowl last season, in the Buccaneers and the Chiefs in a couple weeks. you got Carolina coming up, right? You have the Panthers coming to MetLife Stadium, a team with a quarterback who also turns the football over. This, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but this is a very winnable game. Carolina lost. The last three games. And they have not looked all that promising. The defense does. I will say that. Special teams always coming up with plays. But that offense doesn't look all that promising right now. But the Giants are the Giants. And that unfortunately means they're not playing good football. They're not overly disciplined. They're not reliable on defense. And outside of a quarter and a half of football, they haven't assembled any quality football for a sustained period of time this season. It's ugly. And Giant fans deserve better. John Mara should be the first to admit that. This is just another disappointing season from this team. It's obnoxious at this point. I get it. When it rains, it pours. Bad luck never comes alone. If it rains at 11, it will last till 7. Pick your idiom. It doesn't matter. As I frequently say, football is a results-oriented business, and the results of the Giants have been more than dismal for several seasons. This can't continue, and the Giants need some sort of change heading forward in the future. As for 2021... We will see what this team thinks of this coaching staff and how their effort looks going forward. And I guess we just have to turn that proverbial page, look at Carolina and say, well, maybe we could be two and five because you have to kind of try to look at this glass half full at this point. And if you don't want to totally get that, the Giants have not earned that whatsoever, but the Giants have two picks. So you can start looking forward to the draft. It's looking like the Giants are going to have a top six pick just with themselves. Bears luckily lost to the Green Bay Packers. Hopefully they continue to lose. I do not know who will be making those selections come April for the New York Giants, but I do know this team needs something different. This team has just been stagnant. This team has not been great. 
This team has been an absolute disaster in 2021, given the expectations that were levied in their direction after all the spending and free agency. And now they're one in five. We'll have to look forward to the future. Alrighty, guys, before I get into quick reviews of all the other games, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had some interesting games outside of the New York Giants and the Rams. During this Week 6 matchup, it was kicked off outside of Thursday Night Football, of course, in London, second consecutive week with a London game, where the Miami Dolphins fell to the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-22. Matthew Wright field goals at the end of the fourth quarter propelled the Jaguars over the Miami Dolphins, where Tua Tagovailoa returned from injury in that game. Jalen Waddell, Tua, both Crimson Tide alums, and Jalen Waddell had two touchdowns in this game, which is great to see him kind of get a nice kick start to his career since he had a couple slow weeks in terms of filling the box score, but it wasn't enough to overcome Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, who end up winning in London. You know, Jacksonville, this is like their second home out there in London, and this one wasn't in Wembley Stadium, but good on that coaching staff led by a a coach that is uh, under a lot of question right now, rightfully so, but a 23-20 victory over a interstate rival, I guess you can consider them, even though they are not in the same division with the Jags being in the AFC South and the Miami Dolphins being in the AFC East, but you get the win, 23-20. And we had this beatdown. The Baltimore Ravens absolutely beat the brakes off of Brandon Staley's Los Angeles Chargers 34-6. Now, this was a case of a West Coast team traveling to the East for a 1 o'clock start, only this time it actually worked as many speculated to work most of the time, which is a loss for the Chargers, who just couldn't gather any sort of groove here. Mike Williams was dealing with an injury. He was hardly involved in the game plan relative to what he's been, and this Baltimore Ravens just defense was all over the Chargers. And then Lamar Jackson was all over the Chargers as well. Even though Lamar Jackson turned the football over, he was able to do a lot on the ground, 51 yards, that's what he does. He threw a touchdown pass to Mark Andrews, and he also led the drives that ended up in, I guess you can call it the running back AARP touchdown line, where Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devonta Freeman all scored touchdowns in this game. Freeman, Murray, Bell, and Jackson all had eight or nine carries in this game. They're just spreading the ball out among all of these older running backs with Lamar Jackson doing his thing with his legs. Baltimore Ravens propel themselves to 5-1 and one as the Chargers fall to 4-2. and two. Ravens really make a statement against a very, very good football team here. And then we had the Minnesota and Carolina game, which 
I thought was an interesting one because it went to overtime, and I feel like every week this year, I think Scott Hansen said this on Red Zone, a team has gone to overtime, and the Vikings are able to get this win. Greg Joseph had an opportunity to end this game in the fourth quarter with a late field goal, as he did last week, and he ended up missing it, sending this game to overtime, but Kirk Cousins was able to uplift this team finding K.J. Osborne for a 27-yard touchdown in overtime to win this game. Justin Jefferson was 8 of 80 in this game with 14 targets. Adam Thielen at 13 targets with 11 for 126 and a touchdown. Dalvin Cook heavily involved, as he always is when he's healthy. 29 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown. And Kirk Cousins had 373 yards and three touchdowns. Sam Darnold did not look great in this game whatsoever. Threw an early pick, was sacked four times. I believe he also fumbled the football, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. And he was 17 to 41. Incredibly inefficient, but he was able to lead a drive that was capped off by a Robbie Anderson touchdown. <laughs> Robbie Anderson had 11 targets, caught three of them for 11 yards with a touchdown and had at least three drops from everything I saw. DJ Moore also had two egregious drops. He had 13 targets, five catches for 73 yards. But the Panthers put themselves in a position to win this football game at home, and they ended up losing it. They dropped the 3-3, three and three, three straight losses. Hopefully, it could be four if the Giants can steal a win at home next week, but not overly optimistic for many reasons. Moving on to this Green Bay Packers-Chicago Bears game where Justin Fields still has not been, I guess unleashed, you could say. He had 16 completions on 27 attempts for 174 yards, a touchdown interception, was sacked four times, had six carries for 43 yards. Good to see him actually use his legs. But in terms of Chicago, it was really all Khalil Herbert. He had a touchdown taken away from him, and then he also had a real touchdown that was counted, 19 carries for 97 yards. It looked really good. Replacing David Montgomery, who was on IR, and Damian Williams, who is out with COVID at the moment. But this is all Green Bay. As Aaron Rodgers said, Aaron Rodgers, after he scored his rushing touchdown, was yelling at the Chicago Bears fans at Soldier Field saying, I own you, I own you. I'm sure the second matchup between these two teams, it will be at Lambeau, so it may not be competitive, but Chicago Bears, I mean, everyone in that locker room has to hear that and just be like, oh, really? Oh, really, son? Okay, okay, we'll see, we'll see. But Rodgers finished with two touchdowns, 195 yards, 17 to 23. Very efficient. Aaron Jones was really good on the ground, 13 of 76. A.J. Dillon, 11 of 59. Those two touchdowns went to Aaron Jones and then Alan Lazard, which is a nice little nifty play. Uh, underneath where you fake a pitch to Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard comes across Aaron Rodgers' face and you just pitch the football to him. It's like the tight end Travis Kelsey type of play that we see Andy Reid run a lot. Green Bay Packers win this game 24-14. to Cincinnati destroyed the Detroit Lions in Detroit 34 to 11, two teams scoring 11 on this slate. Kind of awkward. Speaking of scoring the 11 points, I believe I heard Scott Hansen on Red Zone say there has never been a game that finished with a final score of 38 to 11, like the Rams and Giants in the history of the NFL. Insane stat, if that's true. Someone might want to vet it, but uh, yeah, that's wild. Anyways, the Bengals beat down the Lions. Lions fall to 0-6. Talk about Jared Goff not getting it done. Dan Campbell saying he needs more from his quarterback. This is his second straight game where he failed to throw a touchdown pass. He was 28-42 for 202 yards and an interception. Joe Burrow didn't throw the football for 30 times. Didn't have 20 completions. 19-29. Didn't matter. 271 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Touchdowns went to Joe Mixon, Chris Evans, both running backs, on Tate, and then C.J. Uzama, because Brandon Allen, the backup quarterback, threw a touchdown towards the end of, game, of the game as well. Joe Mixon was 18 of 94 on the ground, looked really uh, healthy, which is something that Joe Mixon has been struggling with of late. 
and it just looks like the Bengals are actually legit. They are going to be playoff contenders here. They have a more conservative, a slower style of offense. They don't run that many plays. They're one of the slower teams, actually, according to a lot of the metrics. They don't run a lot of plays, and they like to run the football, so that chews the clock, but they're 4-2 and two right now, so credit to the Cincinnati Bengals in a division where they have the Steelers, and they have the Ravens, and they have the Browns, three other quality teams with the Steelers kind of on the downslope a little bit. The Bengals will have their hands filled next week where they have to play the Baltimore Ravens at Baltimore, but then they get the Jets in New York, actually New Jersey, and then they have the Browns. They get to host the Browns a little bit after that. Moving on, though, to the Houston Texans. They got just annihilated by the Indianapolis Colts here. T.Y. Hilton came back healthy in this game, and he is known as the Houston Texans' quote-unquote killer, and he had four catches for 80 yards on four targets in this game. Looked really good. I think he ended up leaving the game with an injury, something to monitor. Jonathan Taylor, though, all over the place. 14 carries for 145 yards, two touchdowns, very, very talented running back, second year back out of Wisconsin. The Houston Texans did not have an answer for him. They fall to 1-5, and and they could not get much offense going. Davis Mills threw for 243 yards, had no touchdowns, threw two picks. It was a bad showing from the Texans, but they're a team that's going to be picking in the top five no matter what anyways, so this is what we expect. It's actually good to see the Colts actually finally have a, a solid game that they win. They performed well on Monday Night Football against the Ravens. They ended up losing that game, which would have been devastating. They're 2-4 and four now. Carson Wentz looked good. He only completed 11 passes in this game, but 11 passes for 223 yards, two touchdowns, relied a lot on your running game, got it done. They don't have Quentin Nelson out there. They're a little bit beat up along the offensive line, but they handled the Texans with ease. And then we had the Chiefs taking care of the Washington football team, where Patrick Mahomes finished with two touchdowns, two interceptions, one went off Tyreek Hill's hands for 297 yards, 32 of 47. Darrell Williams, running back, replacing Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who is on injured reserve, had two touchdowns, was very inefficient with the football, 21 carries for 62 yards, but you like to see that workload. That's what you're wanting to see. You see north of 20 carries, you see all the goal line work, and that's what Darrell Williams is getting. That's what he's receiving right now, and that's where he's also catching a couple passes out of the backfield. So something that fantasy managers should definitely look for and value highly, because Darrell Williams, he's feeling that roll very well, and he doesn't have a Darrell Williams like CEH had to siphon touchdown carries from him. He's going to receive that red zone work. And then you also have Travis Kelsey, 8 of 99, Tyree Kill, 9 of 76 for a touchdown. Demarcus Robinson also had a touchdown on Washington's side. Taylor Heineke threw an interception to a defensive lineman who pinned it against an offensive lineman's helmet before pinning it against his own helmet. Ode to David Tyree. Love the Giants pride there. That was great. Other than that, Antonio Gibson was dinged up in this game, so you saw a little bit more J.D. McKissick, who was 8 of 45 on the ground, also had 8 catches for 65 yards. Washington couldn't really get a lot of offense going against a struggling Kansas City Chiefs defense, so they lose 31 to 13, and we also saw the Cleveland Browns get beat down pretty badly in this game, 37 to 14 at home. The Arizona Cardinals go to 6 and 0. They are a very, very legit contender. Everybody was clowning Cliff Kingsbury in the offseason, but he is laughing right now. He has this team undefeated with road wins against the Los Angeles Rams and against the Cleveland Browns. That's impressive. People will point, yeah, but the Cleveland Browns didn't have Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield hurt his shoulder in the third quarter. Kareem Hunt left the game, which was in the fourth quarter. 
But the Arizona Cardinals are dealing with a COVID outbreak right now. They didn't have Chandler Jones. They didn't have Rodney Hudson, one of their best offensive linemen. And they went into Cleveland and defeated the Browns 37-14. That's entirely too impressive. Kyler Murray was 20 of 30 for 229 yards and four touchdowns. One to A.J. Green, two to DeAndre Hopkins, and one to Christian Kirk. His offense is clicking. The Browns' defense is a pretty good defense despite the fact that they surrendered 47 points to the Los Angeles Chargers last week. They have some of the better playmakers on the defensive side of the football in the NFL. And the Cardinals went up into their building and just dominated them. This Cardinals team, man, it's exciting right now. And I'm living out here in Arizona and I'm catching the energy in the town. It's it's uh, palpable. And they get to play the Texans next week and then the Packers, both at home. That Packers game is a Thursday night football game before traveling to San Francisco to play in the 49ers, a team they already beat 17-10. But things could be different in three weeks. Watch out for the Cardinals, man, making a real strong push right now. Other statistics in this game that are interesting, Donovan Peoples-Jones had two touchdowns, one that was a Hail Mary to end the first half like he was facing the Giants defense, but he finished the game 4 of 101. He also had a play where he ran over a defender, which was really, really impressive. Odell Beckham Jr. got dinged up in this game. He finished the game eight targets, five catches for 79 yards. And the Cardinals, man, as I said, Cardinals getting it done. Then we had the Raiders also getting it done. And this was a surprising win, given everything going on right now with the John Gruden situation. John Gruden is no longer there because of those obscene emails. And Basachi, man, the interim coach, Rich Basachi, is an individual who's been around football for a little bit. And now he has a chance to be a head coach because of some unforeseen circumstances. And he ends up leading a 34-24 to win in Denver, that's a tough place to play. But 34-24, to 24, you score 34 points against the Denver Broncos defense and Vic Fangio. You cause Teddy Bridgewater to throw three interceptions. That is an impressive win to bring your record to 4-2. and two. No one was really thinking the Raiders were going to come out on the road in the divisional game and win this. Derek Carr, though, 341 yards on 18 completions, man. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Hit Henry Ruggs for 48 yards and a touchdown. Hit Kenyon Drake for 31 yards and a touchdown. Brian Edwards had a long 51-yard catch as well. Carr was just slinging it. Kenyon Drake also had a touchdown on the ground. Josh Jacobs had a touchdown on the ground. And the Raiders were able to earn this AFC West victory. As for the Denver Broncos, Noah Fant had a touchdown. Cortland Sutton had a touchdown. Tim Patrick had a touchdown. And Bridgewater was slinging it a little bit, but he also threw three interceptions, which is inexcusable. He lost a fumble as well. So that's just turning the football over far too often. Let's move on to this Dallas Cowboys-New England Patriots game. And if no one got to see the last couple minutes of this game, it was entirely too exciting. So the New England Patriots were in a position to win this football game. Dallas Cowboys had just missed a field goal attempt, Greg Zerline, that would have given them a two-point lead. And there was a little bit north of two minutes left in the game. But then Mac Jones threw a pick six to Trevon Diggs. And it looked like the game was going to be over because Mac Jones doesn't complete a lot of passes downfield. He's a very conservative type of quarterback, doesn't really press the ball vertically. But he ends up finding Kendrick Bourne on this deep post route that was played terribly by the Dallas Cowboys safety for a 75-yard touchdown to give the Patriots a 29-26 lead. But the Cowboys let a 9-play 40-yard drive where they put Greg Zerline in a position to nail a 49-yard field goal. Ended up going to overtime. 
Mac Jones and this Patriots team received the overtime kick, couldn't do anything with it, and then the Cowboys drove down and Dak Prescott found CeeDee Lamb for a 35-yard touchdown. It was a really exciting end to this game. New England is now 2-4. The Dallas Cowboys are 5-1. Really close here, though. The Cowboys almost lost this football game up in Foxborough against Bill Belichick and this defense, along with Mac Jones. And the rest of these guys, man, Jacoby Myers, this guy can't buy a touchdown. So for those of you who don't know, Jacoby Myers, he's been in the league for about three years now, and he's a good receiver. He receives a lot of snaps, but he's never scored an NFL touchdown other than throwing touchdown passes because he was a quarterback in high school. He's thrown two touchdown passes, if I'm not mistaken, but he's never scored a receiving touchdown. He's a wide receiver, has so many receptions, PPR machine and fantasy, but he's never scored a touchdown. Almost had one last week, was tackled down at the one-yard line. This week, he scores the touchdown, gets called back because of a holding penalty. The guy can't catch a break, but he finished the game 5 of 44 on six targets. Had that touchdown called back. Damian Harris, who was injured last week with a chest injury, also fumbled the football on the goal line. A lot of people maybe thought Ramondre Stevenson would usurp him. He did not. Harris, 18 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson, 5 carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. Mac Jones, 15 of 21, 229 yards, 2 touchdowns. That one bad interception that was returned by Trevon Diggs, who is becoming one of the best defensive players in the National Football League. Don't think that's hyperbole at this point. When you consistently deliver the beginning of the season, when you watch him, you see the pep in his step, you see how he moves, you see how he positions himself to come away with takeaways. He's a very, very good football player, that kid. He really, really is. As for the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott, 17 carries for 69 yards. He also had seven catches for 50. C.D. Lamb had two touchdowns, nine for 149. Amari Cooper, five for 55. Dalton Schultz, five for 79. Then we had Sunday Night Football, which just happened as I'm recording this, where the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Seattle Seahawks 23-20 to in overtime. Ben Roethlisberger, touchdown pass to Najee Harris who had six receptions for 46 yards for once he's not leading the team in receptions because Deontay Johnson had nine catches for 71 yards on 13 targets Pat Fryermuth had seven catches for 58 yards on seven targets Eric Ebron had a rushing touchdown it was wacky stuff going on and this game ends up going to overtime and TJ Watt man TJ Watt is just an absolute beast because he ends up knocking Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks out of realistic field goal range or opportunity on the first drive of overtime. And then on the Seattle Seahawks' second drive, he sacks Geno Smith. Geno Smith thought he saw a crease and tried running up the middle, and TJ Watt just punches the ball out. Devin Bush recovers the ball, and then that sets up an easy Boswell field goal. And the Steelers end up squeaking past the Geno Smith-led Seattle Seahawks. This was a game of just running the football. It was a very, very conservative type of game. The final score was 23-20. to A lot of Alex Collins, a lot of Najee Harris. And that's the story of Sunday Night Football. And that's the story of Week 6, everybody. The Bills take on the Tennessee Titans in Nashville tomorrow, which should be an exciting game when it comes to watching Josh Allen and that Bills offense. So I guess we'll see what actually happens there. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Falada One Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. Please check out our website, Big Blue View, covering all things Giants, fantasy football, and NFL. Everybody be safe, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.